Hello, everyone. I'm Father Alex Sandahar. And I'm the Reverend David Marshall. And this is A Bridge Between, where we bridge our knowledge of Scripture, because this time we're talking about an epistle and not the gospel. An we, epistle? Uh, we bridge our... Is it a, a six-shooter, or is it a sidearm? Oh, not a pistol. That's it's not, not what you said. It's not a pistol, it's epistle. <laughs> epistle. Like an epi, which is above. Yeah, <clears throat> like Episcopal. It's an Episcopal epistle. This is this, this is going to be a long one, isn't it? Oh, folks, just settle in. Yeah, it's 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 going to be one of those. All right, he's having his afternoon coffee. Mm hmm. And and you were saying, Alex, so we're going to bridge. And and, we're, and, and what else are we bridging today, Dave? Uh, well, I hope we're going to bridge our friendship and that we still will be friends after this. And yes, we're doing I, something different. Uh, I think that bridge is, is firm, but good. it's interesting because we usually discuss the gospel, but you and I have discussed this gospel reading se several times, and we're going to be selfish today, and we're going to talk about the letter from Paul to the Romans. It is, right. Good. Any background on letter to the Paul to the Romans? Do you want to give anything about that? Well, Paul wrote it, and it was to the Romans. Nice. Who are and uh, did he did he plant this church? I don't remember. Did he plant this church? He did not. He this did is not. not his church. He is writing to them. He's asking for money because he uh, wants to go to Spain. He wants to go to Spain. That's right. There you and go. there's some radical people out there like me that believe that he actually made it. Um, but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, the whole thing about, never mind, we won't get. So he's writing to this community. And how can you best describe this community uh, in Rome? Is it a Jewish community? It is a Jewish community. It is also a non-Jewish community. And they are not getting along together. Paul does often have to write to communities that are not living into fellowship and community, which is one of the reasons that later on in the passage that uh, we read past what we'll read today, Paul will talk a great deal about what it means to be one body, which is a big theme found yeah, in Paul's huge. letter to the Romans. Right. Uh, one body that needs to send me money. That that's. Uh, some people get offended when I mention that. Um, Paul didn't mean to offend you, anybody. He is quite literally writing because he needs money. And he also writes... Uh, he's fundraising for the church in Jerusalem, uh, for the saints that are there that are having difficulty. So it's, I mean, Paul himself is interesting. Um, any, any word on, but so what about the folks here <clears throat> who may not be familiar with Paul? Do you want to give a brief rundown? Would you like me to? Uh, you know, I would say that one of the most important things we recognize about Paul is he was an early persecutor of the church. Um, he was present at the stoning of Stephen, the first mm -hmm. deacon and the first martyr of the church. Yep. Um, and he goes out uh, to persecute the church. He wants to, he gets letters uh, from Damascus to go out and, you know, persecute the church. And on the way there, he has an encounter, a vision of the risen Lord. He's blinded. He is uh, brought back from that blindness by Ananias. And he becomes, he, he is transformed, which would be a word that we use today. Oh, we're going to use that word. Yeah. He becomes transformed from somebody who hated Christ, who hated the church, the early community, to being an evangelist and a former of these communities. Exactly. Wonderful. Uh, one of my favorite non, uh, 
non-New Testament story is uh, the first time Paul and Peter met, Paul drew his sword um, because he recognized who he was. And uh, that's how much he, um, Paul, who was named Saul, by the way, in that mm -hmm. lifetime, um, that he uh, was not, that he was, I mean, anyway, there were issues. And so they later became to work together and everything's good. Um, one of the marks of the Holy Spirit is unity, and they certainly brought unity between them. Um, also, James, who was the Bishop of uh, Jerusalem, uh, he and Paul had uh, some words, and one of them threw the other one down some stairs. Um, but anyway, they worked it out. And so the important thing about Paul raising money for the saints in Jerusalem is that that includes, um, that includes James, too. And so uh, Paul is definitely a changed man. Paul will not tell you to do something he himself has not done. Right. Um, he has been through it all. And uh, so he has given up uh, everything to uh, to follow Christ. Was he a tent maker? I believe so. I think he was a really not a good tent maker. Um, I didn't say how good he was. I just said no, he was one. Right. Um, so back in the early days, before the church was known as the church, uh, they had to hide out. They had to meet in certain places to avoid um, uh, the Roman authorities. And so one of the best places to do that is to be a tent maker. So you would be uh, making a tent, invite people in to look at the tent that's already finished. And while they're in there, you then can share with them. Um, you can actually do Holy Communion. You can do all sorts of stuff. Nice. Uh, and so some people say he's a tent maker. Um, the Alex watched me go cross-eyed when I pulled up the Greek New Testament to look at this particular chapter of Romans because uh, his grasp and level of Greek is incredible. Uh, this is no tent maker, folks. This this guy knows language. He knows argument. Um, and most importantly, that Paul would say he knows Christ. Correct. So why don't we go to the Romans reading? Good. Do you want to read it? Uh, no, you go ahead. All right. So uh, we're doing Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there is actually a lot more to digest in there that I think um, on the surface people may people may think about. The what comes to me right away is the idea of presenting one's body, mm -hmm. um, and I kind of think of it as um, trying to find the right uh, analogy, but I kind of think of going to the doctor. And, you know, at some point, if you're going to see the doctor and you want to have a good look at you, you've got to present your body, whatever's ailing you, your whole body to them for them to, to look. But here, um, he's not talking about presenting your body in that way. He's talking about it as a living sacrifice that's acceptable to God, which is spiritual worship. And what I want to emphasize, uh, because I know you're going to talk about, about something a little bit different, is the idea that our bodies matter to God. God created them. 
He do, he's not just going to abandon them. Even when we talk about death and resurrection, resurrection means giving a glorified body. Uh, so our bodies do matter to God. And what we do with them matters to God. And so probably the uncomfortable hot take that I might give is I think that even as Christians, we have to be careful in believing that we own our body. Because in reality, it's a gift from God. We're stewards of our body. So we have to be careful what we actually do to and with our body. So you can't take it with you? No, you can't take it with you, but you'll get it back even better than before. Um, wow. Okay. So we just stumbled onto eschatology, but we're going to, we're going to leave that where it is. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to, the interesting thing for me, Alex, is that we normally talk about Jesus and we talk about physical things and him traveling and that type of stuff. Whenever we jump into Romans or any of the epistles, uh, we have to talk about, uh, full on theology. Yeah. And, and that, that is interesting in itself. Um, so part of theology is to, for me, is to try to get a grasp on what the hearers in, um, say the year 65 and not 1965, this zero, zero 65, um, in Rome would be understanding and hearing. And what are the very religious, uh, traditions, the various religious traditions that are happening? Uh, so one of them would be, um, a way to spiritually worship is to go sit somewhere, say the desert, uh, and to restrict your body from drinking fluids and from eating and to sit there with your mind and to try to ponder things or reach uh, heaven uh, through your mind. And Paul is writing about that, that your spiritual worship is wholly acceptable to God is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So to not go out in the woods or desert and to experience things this way, uh, but rather to, um, to engage, to use your body. Uh, another religious tradition of the day was that they believed uh, flesh was evil and uh, thoughts and presence of God were holy. And so they would do things to, um, to, um, to, to hurt themselves, to maim, to mark um, as a way to lower the flesh in order to raise up the spirituality. And what Paul was writing is that uh, we are the embodiment of faith, quite literally fleshy embodiment, yeah. um, and that one should treat one's body uh, well, uh, just as what you were saying. And so um, then you've got all the various Jewish traditions that enter in about the bodies. And uh, so Paul has stepped onto a hornet's nest, uh, and he's done it intentionally to try to get these various groups to think a particular way about their body. Uh, does that make sense? To well, you? It, it does. And I think um, one of the things that we can look at in terms of the spectrum of using our bodies to, to worship or using our bodies to glorify God, uh, the early thing that you mentioned was asceticism, you know, becoming an ascetic. Um, even more extreme than that is, you know, flagellating one's, <laughs> oneself or beating oneself right. just to kind of subdue the body. But what I'm talking about uh, is more having discipline in our body, um, having discipline in how we use our body, how we use our mouths mm -hmm. in what we say. 
you know, mm-hmm. to kind of come back to the gospel reading yesterday when Jesus talks, it's not about what comes into the body, it's what goes out. Jesus is talking about also the mouth, the, the things that we say uh, and the way that we express ourselves with our body. So I think for me, the, the, the holy side is saying, I'm not meant to hurt my body. I'm meant to have discipline over it and I'm meant to take care of it, to be a good steward of it. And I'm supposed to be mindful of what, how, what I do with my body affects other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and affects your worship. Um, and affects my worship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of things I want to jump into, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't mind. Uh, and one of them is the renewing of the mind. And so when you think of Greek philosophy and those things, you would imagine uh, that changing, renewing, uh, challenging, that philosophers did a lot of uh, cerebral stuff up here. And Paul is right with them, you know, that he he loves philosophy. He's well-versed in it. Um, and so Paul is talking about that, but wants to go a couple steps further. And so one of those steps is that um, the, the phrase, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, so transformed for those uh, people that watch us on a regular basis. If you remember when we talked about metamorpho, uh, that is the metamorphosis, the changing, uh, transforming by the renewing of your minds. Um, renewing is a fascinating word, which I'm not going to attempt uh, to pronounce. Unless, Alex, you want to give it a shot? In for a penny, in for a pound. All right. I, and also, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to have to remember from uh, what I call So we had a friend, and her name is Anna. Kenosis. Kenosis. Thank you. Yes. Um, and kenosis actually might sound familiar to some of you regarding mind. Uh, anakinosis, however, uh, is the word for renewing. Um, that, that word they believe is coming from uh, the first chapter of Isaiah. And the first chapter of Isaiah is this really important phrase that uh, God says, let's argue these things out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should anakinosis like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall anakinosis like wool. So here's a question Mm -hmm. that I'm going to ask. And I think it's a very practical one in the way that changing something physically is very different than changing something mentally. Is it? And so I I don't think that Paul is talking about a brain transplant. Or is he? Well, that's why I was hoping he didn't use the anakinosis word that he used the other one. I was really wanting him to use that one. But um, so he has to go with this more. Um, so you've you've seen the magic tricks where they have a particular color of water and then you add one other color and then it changes. Um, the, the sense of this anakinosis is that if you take something, add something in, you change the color. And that in this case, God was talking about sins that they look red, but they become this, uh, that there's a sense that renewing in English isn't that strong enough word. Like if you check out a book and then you renew the book, you know, no, that's uh, no, it's, it's, you, you check out a DVD and they, they hand you a computer, right? That it's, it's that type of anachronosis. It's, um, it's, it's a, it's a turning over. It's a, it's a completely change, but there's a 
physical aspect to it. Um, and not that your brain changes, but that there is an exterior or something about you has been changed. And so conforming to this world will have you look like this, mm -hmm. uh, but being metamorphosed by anachronosis makes you look like this, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, it's a spiritual worship. It's a living sacrifice. So uh, let me let me go down this road and you tell me if I'm in the right lane or not. Okay. I think of, and this is an analogy I may want to use in the sermon because I'd like to preach sure. on Romans this Sunday, right. is I think of the people who do lots of plastic surgery to try to look like a famous person. Okay. And you can most certainly tell that they are not the famous person. They're yeah. trying to conform their body, their image to a certain person. And is what Paul is talking about saying that when you renew your mind, when you offer your body as a living sacrifice, you conform yourself, you become like the image of Christ. Yes. Yes. Woo. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, in a very real application um, at the VA hospital in Palo Alto, working with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, uh, with men and women veterans that have been through PTSD, um, that before this particular thing would set them off into a rage. And then the anachronosis, the metamorpho of their mind, now that thing happens and they're calm. That there has been a, it's, see that's where renewing isn't just strong enough, like that there is a, a complete reversal. Uh, you and I both have had um, folks who have been through really bad divorces, but then mm -hmm. something happened and now when they mention uh, their former spouse, they can do it without getting teary-eyed. They can do it without getting angry. Uh, you know, that that is the anachronosis. That's the renewing uh, of the mind, um, that it's this, this complete changing. And when that happens, one should give glory to God that their brain has been renewed and they have not been conformed to the world. The world that wants them to continue to be angry and to um, to separate themselves, you know, all that stuff. That they don't want that. That a living sacrifice is people who have changed. But th doesn't that mean then that on a real level, what Paul is talking about is the body doesn't have to be destroyed, but you do have to submit. The body has to surrender or be surrendered in order for it to be transformed. Right. And that's the sacrifice. I have to sacrifice the anger and the hatred that I feel. I have to let go of that in order to be peaceful and calm in these situations. It is, um, and that's when we head into the other word that Paul could have used, but this, uh, this new animation, uh, this new, this new way of thinking, but, um, and it's wonderful when we see that. And it often, when that switch happens, uh, it is permanent that, uh, that just continues on for the rest of their life. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's wonderful. The other thing that I really like about this, Alex, is that, um, he's talking to both, uh, the Jewish community and the Gentile community, both who have been baptized, both who have found Jesus to be Messiah. Um, both groups 
have these trigger points, have these things that happen to them. And he's saying to both groups, um, you can both be renewed and transformed. And when that happens, it pulls the body into becoming one and not these two separate groups that distrust each other and don't talk to each other. Uh, it's a way of, of bringing them in together. So there's a lot of different ways we could we could go with this. And um, I don't want to take too much time. Um, Why not? Well, I don't want people to fall asleep, you know. Um, But when I think of, for example, personal renewal, Mm -hmm. um, when I think of the renewal that, you know, that churches need, that congregations need, Mm -hmm. it begins with worship. Mm. You know, it it, it begins, I think, with, with worship. It begins with a sense of the mystery of God. And when I do that and say that, it, what it means to me is how I present my body and how I present myself to God. And it begins there. Does it end there too? Well, I, I think it, you know, in the end, um, I think we end up right back there. But in the mm-hmm. middle is the second part that Paul talks about, which is how we serve. But I think that beginning part is it's worship. It's why we come to church. I talk, a, I talk a great deal about this in some of my inquirers classes and ask them, why do we go to church? And everybody has a reason about why they go to church. But God instructs us and we're told that going to church is about worship. Mm-hmm. It is. And about community and about uh, receiving and giving. It's about the peace. It's uh, There's so much to it. Um, but yeah, that that's um, the, the concern is in, um, in the community, uh, that we call Romans, the concern is that they would start meeting separately and that you would have, um, the, the Jewish service, you would then have the Gentile service, uh, and that, 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 that's not good. And so to be able to, uh, to pull them in together, uh, we know that having children in worship, um, can also be a renewing or a transforming of our minds, that it, it is wonderful. Um, having intergenerational worship is uh, is fantastic. So it's um, it, it's it's a great thing. And you know what I'm also surprised about is that um, we call this the living word, uh, and we call it that because Paul was writing to a community um, almost two thousand years ago that is not our own in a language that is not our own, um, but we can still pull from it and hear in our words today um, to have some meaning about this and about the transforming and the renewing of our minds that becomes a living sacrifice to God. Exactly. And I think um, coming back to this reality that Paul's words echo today, you know, you say Jews and Gentiles having different services. Mm-hmm. The eight o'clockers and the ten o'clockers. You sure. know, if you're not careful, you can have two whole congregations. We have a Spanish service here. It's not a separate congregation. Right. It's just a separate language, and we do integrate them. We do try to bring them together mm-hmm. in in unified worship in bilingual worship. Which sometimes it's a challenge, but it's very helpful um, oh, for, it's for a both challenge groups. And it's it's awesome. And I think yeah, it and helps. it's also beautiful. Right. Yeah, and it ter- takes things from uh, crimson red to uh, 
to wool or snow like bright so exactly. it's great yeah exactly. um can i mention that in isaiah's time as well as paul's time to make something white was nearly impossible <laughs> so uh, um, you don't need to go that far back i've i had a white carpet one time forget it nice yeah but you bought the white carpet imagine trying to make something white uh, oh yeah you, okay yes i understand what you you're know, saying yeah if you didn't have bleach you had to do all sorts of stuff including leaving it out in the sun for a really long time uh to try to get the colors to uh to fade out um so it's one of those like the um with jesus transfiguration and those type of things when he turns dazzling white to us dazzling white just happens right it's easy not That's for them so you don't just use cold water and detergent you know right you don't grab the Clorox. Exactly. Hey, are they a sponsor of the show? Anyway, um, so. Not yet. Not um, yet. Yes. So, uh, so I think, um, I think we've the come to a good place. power of Clorox bleach. Okay, sorry. Uh, well, I think we've come to, um, to a good place to now allow people to kind of go on their own and read the rest of um, that section of Romans for Sunday uh, to kind of let them chew on it for a while. And I think maybe kind of leave them with this question, which I would like to, to ask them. Um, so don't, don't answer, leave it to, to them is, um, how am I using my body for worship so that my mind can be transformed? Mm. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, and if you want to write to us and tell us how you're doing that, uh, be sure to write it on a card, put it to a large pepperoni pizza and send it directly to, uh, the church of St. Petersburg. Um, <laughs> We would love to read it. That would be a renewing of my belly. Or, no, sorry, transforming. Um, it would be a metamorpho. I have a, I have a feeling that your wife might say that your diet has to anachinosis. It could. Yeah. It's a metamartial mellowing. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to say oh. thank you for the time that we've had together today. I've enjoyed... Um, I always enjoy reading the gospel. It was wonderful to read Romans with mm -hmm. you today. And I'm thankful that we're going to get to hopefully do this again next time. I think we will. Yes. Well, God bless you. God bless you too, sir. And thanks everyone. And we'll see you in the next one.